Welcome to the Music Business Podcast. Whether you're an aspiring music business professional or a seasoned vet, every Thursday, the Music Business Podcast brings you the trends, tactics, and insights from some of the world's brightest minds in music. I'm Jordan Williams of EQT Management. And I'm Sam Heisel from Knox. We're not teachers. We're entertainment industry professionals, drinkers, wannabe comedians, and most importantly, fans. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Music Business Podcast. Jordan, how you feeling today? I'm good, Playboy. What's up? We out here. Another day, another Music Business Podcast episode. Today, we have a very esteemed guest, Mr. Fabrice Sergent, a lifelong music lover, serial entrepreneur, sold his last company, and is now the co-founder and managing partner of Bands in Town, which is one of the leading concert discovery platforms that ultimately helps drive one to two million people to different events around the world each month. And on a daily basis, they're literally driving 500,000 visitors to ticket sales pages. So uh, if you're an artist, if you're a manager, this platform can truly help change the trajectory of your artist's career. I think, Jordan, you want to talk a little bit about what listeners can hear in the episode and how you use this? I mean, that's something that we get into. So I actually use this for all of my artists in terms of updating their touring schedules. And even we we announce tours, we use Bands in Town as the platform to put our listeners to to buy tickets. Um, So I learned a lot today about a lot of things that I didn't know about the platform. You know, I literally just emailed one of our consultants saying we need to do a deep dive on Bands in Town because we haven't been using it to its full capacity. And a lot of listeners will also know how to use it to its full capacity also. Um, They'll learn about, you guys will learn about what to focus on as an early touring artist. Um, Fabrice talked about how, you know, in the future, up to 60 to 80% of revenue for artists will be from touring. And Bands in Town is a huge, huge platform in order to really make that happen and bring it to fruition. They'll learn a lot about data. You guys learn a lot about data um, and, and using it to break big artists and how Bands in Town does it. Um, And finally, you'll learn about their big break program, which helps showcase emerging talent. So um, just across the board, he does a really good job at showing, you know, our listeners about, you know, not only about the backstory of bands in town, but how to really leverage it to, you know, to his full capacity. For sure. And I also, uh, as an entrepreneur, really loved hearing, I mean, he's very accomplished as an entrepreneur, having sold his previous company and now the success with bands in town to the size they've grown to. Really found it fascinating for you guys as people, whether or not you're trying to just succeed as a, as an artist, as a manager within the industry. Um, he identified and spoke to a lot of his key lessons that he's learned in his entrepreneurial journey that can help you succeed in the music industry. So without any further ado, uh, let's dive into the episode recorded live here at the Bands in Town studio with Mr. Fabrice Sergent. Fabrice, welcome to the show, man. How are you today? Hey, thanks for having me. That's of course. Great to having you. Oh, we're so grateful, man. The Bands in Town studio is coming together very nicely. I uh, love the programming, the events, and super grateful this is our new home. Uh, welcome. I mean, it's, it's a pleasure having you and always good to see that uh, people take initiatives to promote music business, music, and artists. Yeah. And so we're, we're here to, to, to support that. For sure. Amazing. And I think... Um, I mean, the, the software you've created in Bantantown, I really want to dive into the entire story. But I mean, even from Jordan's perspective, like this is a very, very valuable tool when it comes to actually helping build an artist's brand. So I think a lot of times, a lot of very entrepreneurial people just dive directly into, I want to work at a label. I want to work at a management company. But I feel like you took this uh, kind of different, uh, different path to identify a new opportunity more in the technology space. Can you just start by talking through the initial founding story of Bands in Town? Well, that's that's um, you 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 you're pointing to an important, interesting point. Any uh, Julian, Julian, and I. So we're two partners working together, passionate about live music, uh, and 
So we, we really uh, always thought that technology is only valuable, is worth it, only if it can serve society. So, and that's, that's a privilege. You know, you know, sometimes you do great, you have a great business, you have a great job. It may have no impact on, on society in general, no matter what. I right. don't want to drop well, for examples, sure. but it's, uh, it's not. <laughs> but we've been privileged with Julian to work on, on two important projects. One was based out of France, as you can hear, Julian yeah. French. We launched one of the very, very first uh, internet access company. And we essentially was the mission to connect France to the internet. Mm-hmm. And so that's, uh, we sold that company uh, in the early 2000s. And that was um, our way of using technology to bring knowledge, uh, to help people. The name of the company was Club Internet. And it was kind of, our tagline was the most open club on the planet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Already in clubbing. So that's, uh, <laughs> that's, that was our first big uh, tech adventure, but it was always connected to real life and to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ben's in town is obviously in, in the same, uh, and I explain why in the same, let's say, um, with, uh, come, comes to the same uh, goal. Um, we believe that Ben's in town, uh, sends about one to 2 million people to concert every month. Wow. Mm. We send about 500,000 people every single day to ticketing companies. Wow. And so because we feel that live music is one of these very last uh, tribal experience, because we feel that going to a concert, and you're not going to, I'm sure, uh, contradict me, makes people happier, uh, more also tolerant, because there's no, there's no genre, there's no, everybody's equal. When you go to mm-hmm. the wash pit, mm-hmm. you are all in together yeah. to share <laughs> the exactly. music. That's also an important way to use technology to improve society. So the, f- the, the foundation of Benz in Town is really coming from this idea that it's great to build startups and to build businesses and it's important to serve goals and shareholders. But it's even better if the purpose is greater than the goal of the company itself. Mm-hmm. And so Julian and I, when we came to the U.S., we, we had been, we, we grew up among the very early stars of uh, the French, what we call the French Touch, which was the underground electronic music scene in Paris, in London. Uh, Berlin at the beginning uh, was not there very strong at the time. But um, when we arrived in New York, nothing was there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There was no, no, no Brooklyn music scene. It was extremely <laughs> poor, I need to say. So um, we, we were looking for a guide mm-hmm. to, to try to find what we loved. And because our companies were involved, we were like a large mobile uh, application publisher, mostly in sports, doing games and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. We thought, well, why don't we create something equivalent to Fandango, but that would essentially be a guide. You know what Fandango is. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can buy tickets for movies right. and find your nearest movie theater. We would find, uh, we would build a guide for concerts. Mm-hmm. And so we, we started to research. We found an app, three guys, fantastic guys that were doing something which enabled artists to post tour dates on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and we essentially, you know, offered them to, to, to join the project. Mm-hmm. We are aqua hired, as you nice. say, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the project. We, we offered them to join. We, we brought them investments uh, and technology because we were very uh, convinced 
that this had to be a mobile first project, right. not a Facebook based project, not a right. web based project as some others did actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a company called Songkick that was doing yeah, stuff yeah. on the web at the time. We wanted to build a mobile app that we had in our pocket that dates back 2011, 2012. Mm-hmm. Today, it sounds kind of obvious, but at the time, it was not obvious right. that yeah. it had to be mobile first. And since then, you know, we tried to we tried to continue to grow out of this idea that uh, we not only need to alert people on the concert near where they live, but we also need to make to recommend them the best stuff. Right. Right, right, right. That's fascinating. Um, I have another question about the the founding story, but before that, just since you mentioned you made this early decision, obviously the market was shifting towards adoption of like mobile technology, mobile apps. Are there any similar shifts that you feel are happening now where it makes sense to be an early mover? Well, that's uh, that's a good question, and it's more a question to the entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, you're always wrong to be too early. And timing is everything. So it's yeah. extremely stressful when you're building a company, a tech company, <laughs> right. to know exactly on which platform you should focus your energy. Because obviously, resource-wise, you wish you had enough resources to do everything well at the same time. The reality right. is that usually it's not exactly the same technologies. It's very hard to be the best on this platform and the best right. on that platform. We were very timely fashion. I mentioned our first company. Uh, when we launched with Julien, the first company in, in France... We were exactly at the right timing. We didn't know it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, it was, we felt it very strongly. We were like, right. this is what we need to do. But the reality is that it was a kind of good luck. It was a piece of luck. Right. When we launched Benz in Town and focused on mobile, I have to admit that we were too early. Mm. I think we, we, other people that focused on the web, for example, probably did better than us for a while mm-hmm. because and, and established a stronger presence on the web. So my point is that platforms and timing is, is one of the hardest things to predict. Just right. before I answer your question. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and I so think, now on to your prediction. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I don't see a major transformational paradigm, like paradigm right, right, shift right, 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 right. happening just as important game-changing as mobile mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. coming up soon. Right. People ask lots of questions about virtual reality, for example, mm-hmm. streaming. Um, this is These are the kind of interesting questions. Right, 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 right. And I think from a technology standpoint, there are lots of improvements that that really made an hour making VR and, and live streaming very, like, more possible, more attractive for consumers. Mm-hmm. It's also a time of, um, there's also a change of behavior among consumer groups because the more, the younger consumer, like, uh, uh, you know, younger than the millennials, basically, mm-hmm. they they are slight, they are probably more tolerant to live streaming and I don't know VR because VR has not even started. Right. But point is, it comes also with generations. Yeah. Um, so I think I do believe that uh, live streaming will continue to grow very strongly. Right. We as Benz in town now are opening up new opportunities to offer fans to tune in. Mm. So, you know, we alert you when your favorite artist comes to town. Right. But we can also alert you, and some people do it quite well. They already add that to Benz in town. Uh, they add times to tune in. Mm-hmm. Right, so the, this kind of um, online streaming is is good, and then VR. Well, that's probably more down the road. Right. 
and it's it's hard to predict if the execution will will make it a reality or not. Right. I I don't think I never wanted to be a, a guru that says, yeah, this is gonna win. This is gonna be. <laughs> right. I think nobody's right doing so. Right. It depends on how it's done and how consumer react to it. For me, a, a live music experience, if you had my my personal yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> preference, for me, a live music experience is being in a mosh pit, touching each other, sweating, yeah. feeling each other. Yeah. That's what is live music for right, me. Right, right, right. It is not wearing a headset. But I don't want, I mean, I'm absolutely okay to have a great experience doing the VR right, stuff. Right, right, if someone right. can convince me, it, it can be yeah. right. well done. Yeah, right? for sure. So, so let's, let's see. see. For sure. And yeah, I mean, I think, um, I mean, it's cool, the purpose of the company and really trying to preserve that live experience. I think it's, uh, as people start to spend more and more time using phones, using laptops, cherishing and keeping that a very sacred experience is like paramount. But you, you nailed it. It. I think that uh, the value for any individual of a true uh, live experience mm-hmm. is just going to grow over time. Right. Because we have less and less. So it's very mechanical. What is where? Increase in value. Right, 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 <laughs> and right. And bizarrely, it used to be quite easy to cross the, I mean, go across the street and have mm-hmm. a drink and we still can. Uh, but this, this indeed, we spend much more time in front of our screens we, we, people are nevertheless somewhat more isolated in getting into a communal experience, mm-hmm. cheering for not only the music, but also what I love as much as I love the music, I yeah. love the artist. Right. Yeah. For me, the artist is, the, is, is, is an amazing individual. We can have a, uh, I mean, we can talk about that. And so have that being in that moment all together mm-hmm. is something that is that is rare getting right. more um so so yes it's i i don't see it disappear quite the opposite right 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 um how much in the beginning i mean you said you guys came a little bit too early in terms of mobile but i think in terms of touring you came kind of right on time i think i think the democratization of music kind of happened around that time where people were starting to stream music more garage band was coming out and people were making music more allowing them to actually perform more um how much of bands in town when you started it was to target those up-and-comers and how much of it was to also help you know people find their favorite acts you know their early snacks Yes, you you you're absolutely correct. We we came at a time when the music industry was in 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 complete mess. Uh, mm-hmm. Everybody was saying that the music industry was dead. I was going to die. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> nah, I said it too. Yeah. I heard some. <laughs> I heard some people say that it's going to be like the you know local newspaper. Like you're going to have to have billionaires and people who are, are doing philanthropy yeah. to support artists. Wow. That's, that was really, it's, it's like five, six years ago. Right. Think about it. And um, I kind of felt that there was something fundamentally wrong in the thinking of these com- commentators mm-hmm. just because they saw the, the number of CDs and physical CDs, whatever, or iTunes sales decline. Uh, they would think like that. What was fundamentally wrong is that... Um, more and more people loved music. More and more people had tools to discover music. I mean, the, uh, even in 2011, 12, uh, YouTube was already yeah. <laughs> quite powerful. Uh, Facebook had started and was already right, very strong. So there were more tools for musicians to be discovered. To your point, there were more tools to create music. 
So there was, there was something inconsistent. Uh, it felt a little bit like when in 2000, early 2000, there's been like a big stock market crisis and people were coming to me like as if I had lost a, a parent saying, oh, I'm sorry, your thing, you know, the internet was like, um, what was fake? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you had your moment of glory. Right. Uh, you were very young. You believe <laughs> you're going to eat everything. But the reality is that, you know, this is over. Mm-hmm. You know, the mm-hmm. internet was is never going to exist. Yeah. So this is the kind of same thinking. People believe the music was dead. We, we felt that it was even more important to bring a tool to help artists tour that indeed over time, live music is going to represent uh, 60 to 80% of artists' revenues. Today, um, you know, live music has been growing by about 10% per year consistently mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. over the last 10 years. So it, lots of the growth that uh, live music brought offset the losses that uh, artists had to suffer on recorded music. I mm-hmm. mean, before streaming even started to be to become meaningful. So yes, we our timing was right from that regard. We then artists needed to go on tour to consider that music is first and foremost performing, mm-hmm. <laughs> not recording only, and that um, and and Benzinton was the right tool to help them make more money by selling more tickets. So that's, that's, that was the story over the last few years that ha- I guess was core to the, what I call the renaissance of the music industry. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure, today's music streaming is bringing um, a new era. Uh, yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. great. But it's also, and music is heavily, and artists are heavily supported by live music. And so to that end, Benzintown mission or, or the way people used are using bands in town, I guess, is, is still very close uh, to, you know, it's, it's still essential to to the business model of an artist. If you can talk mm-hmm. about right, for sure. Like for that. Sure. Totally. Um, when it comes to, I mean, I guess before we start diving into some of the more tactical things for artists, how has the product evolved and, and kind of the company as a whole. I mean, obviously you had this initial vision, Fandango of finding and tracking different upcoming yeah. concerts. I mean, now you have the ad network, you have all these interesting different partnerships. Congrats on the partnership with Billboard. Can you talk about how the product itself has evolved? Please? Sure. Sure. It's, it's, um, thank for asking because indeed, uh, people don't necessarily see all, I mean, Benzintan as a whole, you know, most people know us with the app, mm-hmm. uh, the mobile app, uh, which is great. A lot of people know us through emails because mm-hmm. they like to receive our emails and that's <laughs> fine. <laughs> so we send about a hundred million, 100 million notifications and emails per month. Wow. Um, but what's very special and is that from an evolution standpoint, is that three, three years ago, four years ago, we decided to invest heavily on creating our own recommendation engine. And by using all the data we have, that, that users want to share with that they, op, they, they choose to share with us. Mm-hmm. We create for each user what we call the music DNA. Mm-hmm. Music DNA is your music profile. It's, it's a, it's essentially a soup of, um, data points that you share with us. Uh, you may want to share your Facebook account, your Spotify account, right. your Apple music account. You may want to, your YouTube account. You may want to track manually, so follow manually artists. 
all of this create like, and then you buy tickets, you are SVP. Mm-hmm. And so all these moments and things that you share with us create that soup. Right. And then out of the, these ingredients, we try to create something that tasty for you. So, so we're, trying, <laughs> we're trying to, you see the French yeah. chef <laughs> talking. So we try to create that tasty uh, meal that's going to try to not only help you um, remember and, and certainly be alerted about the, the artists that come uh, where you live and the artists you love. So the artists that you listen to frequently that you listened to recently, these are the people that obviously we will um, that that we will recommend you, you go see because we you seem to like them. Right. But then what's interesting is that half of our recommendations, and I use recommendation on purpose, are for artists that you don't know, or at least we don't know you. Right, right. We right, don't right, know right. The data you know. Points directly, <laughs> yeah. Um, but we assume that based on other people's tastes, mm-hmm. you should know. Mm-hmm. And these are, and among these artists, we pride ourselves. So I'll share something very confidential here. We pride ourselves to trick our algorithm, and that's very true, to uh, essentially recommend younger, developing, emerging artists mm-hmm. versus uh, versus recommending you big established artists. Right, mm-hmm. right. That that maybe you don't know, but you know if you if they're not in your music DNA. You, you probably know them anyway. Right, 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 right. And that's how Benzintown, each of every day, one concert at a time, mm-hmm. is fundamentally helping the developing artists and this industry in general mm-hmm. because uh, more than 50% of our fans recognize that they went to a show of an artist they had never heard before mm-hmm. because Benzintown recommended it. Wow. Mm-hmm. And that's, if you ask me how yeah, the product evolved... And I have data points uh, that that can that can prove that we're very proud of this evolution. Yeah, and this is um, so we're very proud. We feel that uh, it helps uh, diversity. It helps giving equal opportunity to this young and developing artist. Right, but it you know it can be developing artist and not young. It's not <laughs> don't discriminate over <laughs> age. Um, but uh, three years ago, only a third of the ticket clicks we were sending to ticketing companies were going to this developing artist, mm-hmm. which was already something because I think it was already higher than, you know, average market average. But now three years later, 50% of the 500,000 ticket clicks we send every single day to our, to ticketing company, 50% are going to small artists. Wow. To, to shows of small artists. Wow. And that's so that shows how our new algorithm changed the way we recommend uh, music awesome. yeah. to, to, for discovery. Right. And so how Benzintown became a driver of discovery and, and a massive one because at scale, in the, not only in the US, but outside of the US. Mm-hmm. And that's, I'm passionate about it on the other hand. And I also um, somehow, sometimes I like to talk about it because it's hard for you to know. You get these notifications, you don't know why. Right, right. So, so hopefully you like them, and I can tell you the people usually don't. I mean, people like it. People click on it. People buy tickets. Um, so yes, this is a whole system. Right. And to your point, I think that's the major, the first major evolution mm-hmm. is that we we became a voice that is very much trusted. This brand, Benzintown, yeah. means something when it recommends shows 
to fans. Right. right. And that's the first thing. The second aspect is, is business. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if you want to be independent, strong, has a strong philosophical purpose, like I right. said, to right, support right. Uh, developing artists. Yeah. You have also to be very strong financially. <laughs> otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, it's not going to last. <laughs> and so you're defeating the purpose. Yeah, 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 yeah. And most of the people, I'm saying things laughing, but most of the people uh, in this industry believe that you can only make money with big artists. So how, do, how did we uh, grow that? We, we, first of all, our business model is mostly based on using on, on advertising revenues. Mm-hmm. And that's what we grew over the last three, three years as well. So, so how tra- we transformed the business from being only connected to endemic advertisers, let's say promoters right. wanted to promote shows. So mm-hmm. you can, we have 15,000 promoters every year from the biggest to the smallest that are buying email campaigns on Benzintown. And I encourage mm-hmm. them to do so, yeah, yeah. um, to do, but that was that was like something we created like five years ago. Uh, I mean, we, we created that some time ago. We also are promoting music for labels. We are promoting so very endemic stuff. What became transformative over the last three years um, is is that uh, music streaming companies realized that the community of music fans that Benzintown has gathered is um, is extremely. I mean, our, our core fans are the super fans, so they are great targets, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. to be interested in subscribing to music streaming services. Mm -hmm. Um, We also work with these music streaming services, uh, in fact, in many countries, but, you know, more than 50 countries, actually, because we partnered with third-party websites, Mm -hmm. which we don't own, to complement our audiences in countries or territories where we're not that strong. Uh, and to offer to music streaming promoters, labels, a, essentially a global music marketing group, like mm-hmm. a global music marketing solution that can target fans based on their music taste mm-hmm. at scale. And mm-hmm. so beyond indeed the Benzinton app, Benzinton.com, right. Benzinton ecosystem, we have what we call Benzinton Amplified, mm-hmm. which is this network of uh, sites and this ad platform that monetize music sites, um, but also use some Benzintown data mm-hmm. to help um, endemic advertisers like music advertisers find the right consumers or engage with the right, uh, right. consumers. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a question just about going from, um, what's the company you first started, Club Internet? Yeah. Going from that to, to music tech, what were some things that you learned, whether that be about how music culture is different um, what people in the music industry are like or mu- music itself, what are some big things that you've taken away from switching from a uh, club internet to a company like Bands in Town? It's well, kind of like a whole different beast, you know? Well, it's different beast, but on the other hand, we love so much music and artists since, you know, I don't know when since, but <laughs> yeah. it, it feels very natural for us to, to evolve uh, in, that, uh, in this music space. What strikes me is anyhow is that each artist is an entrepreneur by itself. Mm. I guess the commonality is that I, I understand an, an, an artist or band quite well, I think, mm-hmm. just because they face the same type of challenges that any young new entrepreneur would face creating a new company. Right. And, and I would say that their challenge is even greater because 
and you know, anybody needs to be creative, but on top of that, they need to perform. They need to record. So there's some sort of a gift that, that comes <laughs> from them. Like, like mm-hmm. you have to do it by yourself. And if people don't like it, it's kind of, uh, you know, it's, you can take it more personal, I should say, <laughs> than if you just create a company. But anything, everything else is very similar. So as Julian and I had not only created Club Internet, but we are very close to the initial, you know, entrepreneurs. We, we've been living and, and breathing all our lives among entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. If you want, um, I really feel, I really feel and felt that we could bring artists, uh, some knowledge that would help them succeed in their endeavor to create uh, a band or to create a project. Right. So I see lots of commonality, even if it's not, uh, you know, then obviously what's related to tech is specific to tech. So innovation, um, you know, you need, you always need to be at the edge of something in tech. Mm-hmm. That's uh, so just the same way, as I said, we are innovating, innovative in data. If Benzinton didn't have the best tech team, tech teams, uh, we're not, working on with big data, machine learning technologies, hopefully artificial intelligence at some point, you know, Benzindon will become at some point potentially irrelevant. So, you know, so that's, that's what's so special with tech. You have to, but in music, you know, honestly, uh, you have also to be at the edge of the cultural, of cultural trends. Mm-hmm. Right? So you may not program <laughs> things, but you have to invent, you have to write the right, the music that, hits people's soul and, and minds and, right. and heart. And I, so in tech, exploring innovation, to be in music, exploring culture, for me, is very similar. I don't see so many differences. That's awesome. That's great. That's powerful. When it comes to, um, I mean, just to dive deeper on the data and the kind of the uses, obviously, you're collecting tons based on people's listening habits, what shows they're going to. I mean, even in my experience, they've actually like run campaigns, whether it's email campaigns to sell tickets to a certain show with people that are interested in the artists that we're working with or similar artists or doing like Facebook ad campaigns with custom audiences. Um, I mean, what are some of the biggest uses of data for partners that you guys, I mean, that you guys currently leverage? Um, like, are you working, I think from like an A&R standpoint, it's very fascinating because you can see like, okay, maybe this artist is selling a lot more tickets in this new market. So you get this bird's eye view of artists that are really starting to take off. Um, can you talk a little bit about some, like how the data gets used outside of your recommendation engine? So, so mostly out, it's used for our recommendation engine. Yeah. To make it simple, um, we, we then provide the data, each artist, each manager, potentially some labels and some talent agency can have some access to the data with permission of the artist. Mm-hmm. But everything is very much artist-centric. So... We essentially provide insights into what we call Benz in Town for artists, mm-hmm. which will actually boost and improve um, greatly in the next uh, two months. So mm-hmm. the insights will continue to improve. For example, we will we will expand a product that's called uh, Play My City. So fans can now push a button and ask artists to play their city. Oh, wow. oh that's great. So, so, but we did not really had the right context to surface that in the uh, Benzinton for Artists platform. Right. And you know, if, you, if you're if you touring artists that sometimes, you know, the most obvious markets, well, if you, you're, you're an agent, you're touring a manager, you don't need Benzinton to, to know where where your fans are. 
But what's interesting is if we, if you could use Menzin Town to add a few dates here and there mm-hmm. on the way between two markets, mm-hmm. right? And that's where we, we, we bring some, you know, interesting data points because we show you heat maps and, and, you know, if you use it smartly, you can definitely learn about the relevance of your artist in a specific market. Right. I also know that um, Benzin Town for promoter, so the, mm-hmm. uh, is also used by uh, venues and promoters right. to test locally uh, how an artist is doing before booking the artist. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And so I tell that to artists, they usually underestimate that. Because, uh, but it's the truth. I met so many venues and people who told me, oh, I constantly check bands in town to know locally how well is, do, is this artist doing. Interesting. And, and we will, where we have more than what they see, be honest, is that we have historical data. Mm-hmm. So on a specific local market, I could tell you how fast an artist is growing right. versus other markets. Right. One thing that I that I recommend to we can recommend to our listeners and to the managers is to look at the number. So when you announce a tour, you can you see immediately RSVPs, right? right. People immediately RSVP for the tour. Right. And what I recommend is to look at the ratio of RSVPs over the capacity of the venue. Mm-hmm. I remember having, a, I mean, I had many conversations with managers on that. It's pretty accurate. So if there's a discrepancy, let's say you choose 25 locations, right? And in general, your artist is playing 1,500 cap venues. Mm-hmm. Um, in full, and then you announce the tour. A week later, you check. And there are some locations where you have like, say, 20, 30% RSVP over this, the venue's capacity. So let's say 500 people are RSVP'd. Mm-hmm. And some locations where there's 100 people. Well, it tells you something about that market. Mm-hmm. You probably will need to promote. And there's something wrong in, in the way you announced it or in the way. Mm-hmm. Conversely, I saw the situation where an artist was playing Irving Plaza in New York and another, um, I don't remember which venue in Boston, same capacity, about 1,200, something like that. I don't know them all by heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's hundreds of thousands that you work with. And, uh, <laughs> sometimes they, so what, what, uh, what was clear, in, in New York, 30% of Irving Plaza's capacity. So we had like a third of the capacity that uh, had RSVP'd which for Benzinton and relatively small, uh, smaller venues is, is kind of the average. I would mm-hmm. say Benzinton represents for a venue between, between 10 to 20% of the people in the venue. Mm. That's, that's what I would say. It could be 30%, but, mm-hmm. that's, but in that venue, in, for that tour, Boston, the ratio was 60%. So let's say if the capacity was 1,000, 600 people had RSVP'd. And I told the guy, I said, look, you're going to be sold out mm-hmm. and you should do at least two nights. That's mm-hmm. what it tells me. Right. Right. Because you can't do 30% in New York and 60% in Boston. There's no rational for people to, to be, to love your artists that much that they're going to rush on our, on, you know, pushing RSVP on Benzin down alert. Right. In Boston versus New York, statistically, mm-hmm. it should be the same ratio. Right, 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 right. So, and so he booked another night. That's <laughs> awesome. Wow. So, 
Yeah, that's how data, if you, so we, we hope, we wish we were able to give more access to data mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to various constituencies, uh, but large talent agencies, labels, and, and the artist management teams obviously can already play. And I would say that it's on a case-by-case basis, either, you know, we, we, we like to work on certain projects. In fact, I can use another example uh, on which we, uh, Black Coffee. Mm-hmm. So Black Coffee um, management wanted to play in New York mm-hmm. uh, in a non outside of the club scene, Terminal 5. We, we work really a lot on data for this one because we used machine learning. So we put lots of, te- in fact, technology at work mm-hmm. to try to find the 50 most important, most involved core fans of Black Coffee in New York so that we could contact them first, offer them a meet and greet, and potentially amplify his uh, the fact that he came. Then we added all the good things like emails and stuff. Mm-hmm. Eventually, uh, not only because of Benzinton, but mostly because he's very talented. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he sold out yeah, Terminal yeah. 5. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were all very proud of that, mm-hmm. right? And it was a great night, actually. <laughs> so uh, so that's, that's, that's the type of things where data is mm-hmm. key. Right? For sure. Um, how does an artist that just joins the platform, do you think, leverage it to their best capability? I mean, earlier you said there are RSVPs for people that are doing 15 or 100 venues or more. Um, but I know some of our listeners are probably just discovering bands in town. So mm-hmm. what are what are some action items you think they should do with the platform to make sure they leverage it to its full capacity? Well, first of all, yes, it's bands in town is free. Mm-hmm. And it's never so. That's that's an important point. We contribute value to the artist. We don't mm-hmm. extract value from the artist. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, we we extract value, as we said, from mostly advertisers. Mm-hmm. Right. So this, that's that's the first. Uh, that's an important point. Um, artists building a fan base on bands in town will never be uh, charged to contact this fan base. Uh, so in other words, we're not like Facebook. We're, there's no boost. Right. Right. You are only charged if you want to contact the fan base of similar artists, which, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's the concept. Mm-hmm. But your fan base is your fan base and you can message directly your fan base uh, via email or push notifications under Benzintown brand uh, directly. So if you send a message to your fan, you'll be able to hit 100% of the fans and this is going to go to their mailbox or they're going to go as a push notification on their mm-hmm. phone. So it's pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. The first thing is that indeed you can mess, grow and message a fan base directly. The second thing is indeed you publish your tour dates. Mm-hmm. When you, I assume that's the way you use it for your yeah. artist. Yeah. You do it once, hopefully, and then it goes everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so when I say everywhere, it's obviously on Benzin Down, but it goes also, uh, we have a date of an agreement with Facebook with Google, uh, we surface your tour dates on Alexa, on Amazon Alexa. Oh, wow. Uh, we do, now we just announced indeed Billboard. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's pretty much everywhere, right? So in, in all the contexts where people can find dates, uh, they'll find your tour date. The other thing is that we give you tools, and that's also free, to display such tour dates on your own website. So there's, there's a widget mm-hmm. or an API. It takes five seconds, very little time to, to, to install it. It's customizable. So it's, uh, and, and so that's, and that widget helps you sell tickets 
get more followers on Benzin Town. You can say, track me on Benzin Town. Uh, you can post a message. So you could display that widget on your website, sorry, on your Facebook page. And you have a tool called the event landing page that helps artists post on socials. In, in particular, obviously, with Instagram becoming the platform for music promotion, with our event landing page, if you post a story um, by just a swipe up, you can um, display these store dates. And so if you cancel a date, if you add a new date, you have nothing else to do. You just mm -hmm. publish it on Benzin Town and people swiping up, they'll see the right list of tour dates. Mm -hmm. There's nothing to, and I, and we recommend to put that to the highlights, you know, in, on Instagram, in your bio mm. or a link in your bio uh, to the tour, to the, to that um, widget. And so that's, that's, that's very easy. It's, it really helps spread essentially the tour dates uh, everywhere. And then when you're on tour, you can message your RSVPs. Mm -hmm. So you can message the one who uh, RSVPed in the past. So if they, you know, that's cool because right. they, they already were interested in you. So you can message them. You can obviously message the one who RSVPed for the future shows mm -hmm. saying, Hey, I'm coming. I'm so happy you, you're, you're coming see me. Uh, I don't know. Come dressed in white. Right. Whatever you want, ten yeah. percent at the merch table. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that's very targeted to the people who are who showed intent to come to your show. Right. Right. So it's a fairly large um, uh, platform, uh, and indeed, what matters is to install it right from the get go, and especially before announcing a tour. Yeah, because people are searching the name of the artist in Google. If you use Benzin Town tools, by the way you have a greater chance to appear at the top of the page. You know, you, Google has what they call the Google cards mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they show tour dates at the top of the page. That's great because from a hierarchy standpoint, it beats secondary ticketings, which are usually very good at buying right. these uh, ads. Mm -hmm. So it's important to prepare as a manager, as a label, the announcement of the tour by really checking that all the tools are in place. Mm -hmm. And we have a team of artist partnership uh, and, and support uh, that uh, can help. If, if there's a need, you know, it's uh, support at benzindown.com. Right. right, uh, right. Or, or, or Fabrice at benzindown.com. Yeah, there you go. Right. Um, to, for the power users, for the people that are building a lot of traction on the platform, you start to see that they're bubbling. It's kind of, this is what lends itself into the big break program, right? Can you talk a little bit about the Big Break program? I know you guys showcase artists. It's a very data-driven approach. Can you talk about, I guess, how the program came together, what it does, all that good stuff? Yeah, but actually, um, the program came together because we we thought that everything we were doing using this data trove was not easy to understand from the an outside world. And that's precisely, even if we were helping every day, um, all these developing artists, they, they, they had no, no way to know it, right? Right. Uh, apart from seeing ticket sales increase. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so we wanted, so we launched Big Break to showcase, to illustrate how we can make a difference. Mm -hmm. uh, so what it does is that we look back six months, we, we look at the art, at artists between a 500 to a 5,000 tracker count. So 500 to 5,000 followers, we call them trackers. And we look at the uh, 50 fastest growing artists within that range over the last six months. Mm. And then we curate 
based on the team's um, you know expertise, and we pick essentially uh, 50 artists per year this way uh, across genre across. It's mostly North America, but we do have some in Europe. Mm-hmm. And we try to, so first of all, they are introduced to our fans. Um, they have, there's a special, uh, in the app, there's a big break icon, which lists all the shows of such artists. They get free mar- marketing for a year from us. So they, we become their free promoter. Usually they are fairly small. So anyway, they don't. And we take them to shows, festivals, Definitely South by Southwest. So at South by Southwest, we have like a, the only fan data driven showcase. So it's the only showcase where actually the artists on stage are chosen by the fans. Right. Mm-hmm. Not through a vote. It's not like the voice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's, uh, <laughs> it's, big, it's just by the fans choice, by the data that we see mm-hmm. within bands in town. And so that's, that's the case. So every time we can push one of the big break artists, we do it. We want to expand this program. I think people like it. We feel the data we have from that regard is very special. It happens that artists are on tour, usually way before they surface on streaming music platforms. Mm-hmm. So we, we have artists that we spotted way before they've been picked up by Apple Up Next or Spotify Rise. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's fine. <laughs> we, that's, that's, <laughs> what, that's what we try to do, which is, hey, we, we find them. Usually they don't have a label, which is a great opportunity for labels to, to, to identify them. And then they can be picked up by other accelerating program for artists. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not influenced by label, just FYI. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're happy to entertain these discussions with the labels if they want to just put to bring to our attention and they do uh, artists <laughs> they want they want to promote uh, we are very happy to to look at them but to qualify they have to be in the data right mm-hmm. and that's that's the rule so it's pretty cool um, we had lots of artists um, that that broke out of this at this story uh, and yeah that's uh, it's very dear to our heart yeah no I mean it's amazing too and I think uh it's just a perfect example of how you're able to use this business to support these emerging artists and really have this platform showcase them across. Uh, I mean, it becomes a big media thing. You have the live events. Um, so that's super cool. When it comes to, uh, I think, going back a little bit to your entrepreneurial journey, and I think you mentioned it earlier, artists themselves are entrepreneurs, managers. I mean, this is an industry, I mean, like every industry built off of entrepreneurs. But I think in your journey as an entrepreneur, what have been some of the hardest things you've had to push through in order to kind of get to your level of success? Because I think a lot of times um, people get it, uh, a big mistake or, or something and people give up and get a job and start to do something else. It's the easier path. Um, can you talk about some of the biggest things you've had to push through? Also, I think that'd be a good a good question to also ask on the artist side as well. Like how can artists learn from, you know, your answer? Well, that's that I was going to try to pick a few indeed uh, com- uh, answers that are relevant to both. <laughs> right. Um, mm-hmm. Look, I think that perseverance, mm-hmm. I usually say it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. Right. It's being an entrepreneur, being an artist, you have to not only uh, believe and have the right ambition, but also 
be consistent in the efforts mm-hmm. and persevere. Yeah. Uh, even when, you know, things are not doing exactly what the way you expected it. Right. And I see so many artists obviously struggle. They, they post great things on Instagram. They're very happy <laughs> always, <laughs> but the reality is sometimes different. Yeah. The morale yeah. is not as high. <laughs> <laughs> you you feel that um yes there there's always a need to to find uh recognition and support the reality is that that's the life of entrepreneurs there's some level of loneliness um that you have to face and accept mm-hmm. because and and that's when i talk about loneliness is that you have to really define who you are what's your purpose what do you want to build mm-hmm. be it an entrepreneur or an artist what do you want to bring to this world? And and for an artist, it's very important. It's it's a message. Mm-hmm. It could be it could be a dream. It could be a cry. It could be a shootout. It could be an attitude. It could be something. But you're definitely bringing something to this world, and consistently builds upon that. Mm-hmm. The second tip I should say is to to try to, even though it's a you, there is some loneliness, you shouldn't stay alone. Mm-hmm. In other words. Get for an entrepreneur, it's obviously, it's called an advisory board. It could <laughs> yeah. be friends, it could be family, it could be mentors. Mm-hmm. For an artist, usually it's a manager, it's a, it could be a lawyer. Um, but it's, it's important to indeed surround yourself with people who will be able to give you honest feedback, mm-hmm. including very honest feedback. Right, right. <laughs> right? When you're small, I guess it's pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. But the question is, how do you persevere and stay current beyond the first success? Right. I, I'm thinking about one, which I don't want to name. <laughs> had a great, uh, great success at the beginning. Had a few songs and album picked up and really became of a size, certain significant size. Did you see uh, that also on the back end of Bands in Town too? Yeah, yeah. We saw it mm-hmm. all of great promise. But then he had a problem going from one to the next one. Um, and from a, from a style standpoint and from musical standpoint, did not, was probably not very well advised. And so he dropped. I mean, it didn't drop on socials because you're not losing fans you know, yeah. mm-hmm. that much. Uh, and because he was very successful, he had problems listening to others because mm-hmm. he believed that, you know, his success yeah. spoke for himself. And so humility is important. So that's my third. Uh, so yes, you need to get mentors, but I would recommend also you continue to listen to your base, to engage with your fans, mm-hmm. to be client centric, to use other, I'm trying to use this parallel between entrepreneur yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and music. Um, is very important. Right. As far as I'm concerned, and people in this company would tell you, I'm the first user of Benzintown. Right. Mm-hmm. I really use it. I really open the emails. I really use the app. I really, and unfortunately, I'm, the, I'm usually good at finding bugs or yeah. <laughs> uh, stuff. And that's fine because, and that's the same for an artist. Mm-hmm. I see so many artists in general and, and, even developing artists, which are not seeing value in interacting with fans. They all say, we love our fans. They are everything for us. You know, all that kind of stuff, which is nice. Yeah. But then the question is, how do you do that? Right. 
Did you ever have a drink with your fans? Did you ever, you know, talk to them? Have you maybe done a focus group? I mean, this is, yeah, this yeah, is yeah, business, yeah. Right? right? But why not? Uh, have you yeah, interacted with them on other things? You don't need to be very sophisticated. You don't need a record label mm -hmm. to hang with your fans and listen to them, mm -hmm. right? So that's that's the third element right. uh, that where there's lots of community. If you're client centric, if you really listen to your to your audience, not only but if you're part of it, if you live by it, it's going to be easier to be perseverance, basically. Mm -hmm. And that's that's that would be my advice. Yeah. Um, just out of curiosity, who are like some of your favorite acts to see live? <laughs> I get this question on, on, from time to time, and I don't like to answer it. I tell you why, because the, so the good answer to that is. Well, um, not answering it is also an answer. So that's fine too. No, no, no. I'll give you some examples. But yeah, yeah. The, the reason why I don't like to answer it is very simple. It's, um, I, th I think music is also a matter of mood. Mm. You, you, you're, not, you're not in the mood of listening to something the same way at, you know, different times of the, your life. Mm -hmm. doesn't time of day or whatever. So going to a live show, I, I think it's easier because usually performances are great. <laughs> Yeah, and and so I can go either with friends or by myself. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't create a hierarchy. I'm not mm -hmm. that kind of fan. That right. Oh, for me, this band is everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I've been to all of their shows. Mm -hmm. I am completely different. I'm eclectic. Um, I'm eclectic. I'm, I like to to discover. And as I said, I'm as much I am as much interested in the music as I am in the person, mm. in the band, in the people mm -hmm. behind mm. it. That's uh, So there would be no bands in town today as it is if uh, Julian and I would not uh, be a passionate uh, underground electronic music fans. Uh, that, as I said, was the starting point of this uh, uh, research. What I mean by that is that it's not EDM. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Just to say, because people sometimes uh, in this country, especially... Uh, Uh, you know, have a hard time making a difference. So that's my passion. I listen to German uh, deep house DJs, uh, Dutch, um, and so on. That's usually what I like to go see live. Um, I can go see uh, things that are more commercial and I'm very open to go to, I mean, we did an exhibition for Benzintown around the Velvet Underground. Mm. So that's not really... Uh, you know, deep house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it shows how open we are. We love rock as well. Um, that's uh, in general. I think that we love music. So as far as I like jazz, alternative jazz, everything that's experimental, mm -hmm. that would be uh, spontaneously attractive to me. Right, but you do like mashing, meaning being mash pit, mash pit. Yeah, <laughs> yes. You'll apart from certain circumstances that these guys know. <laughs> I, I I definitely would be rather be in the mosh pit rather than the VIP side. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's amazing. Yeah. Great. Um, amazing. Well, I think uh, just to close out, can you talk a little bit about kind of the, the vision, um, the future vision and how you want to continue to serve artists and this kind of the emerging artists of the world? Yes, uh, there's plenty of things. Uh, more and more artist services. So So in other words, We, how could we help artists um, uh, grow themselves? We bought uh, Highbot. We didn't mention that, but mm -hmm. uh, Highbot and Music Think Tank, 
which are two great sites for do-it-yourself artists. Right. The reason why we bought that was to bring more content, so support content creators being bring more content to help artists grow and help is in particular indie artists. Mm -hmm. So so that's uh, that's one effort which we will continue to invest on. Um, mm -hmm. We will build upon that uh, webinars and contents to to help. Uh, them uh, succeed. Mm -hmm. um, on the other hand, toward um, fans, uh, it's all about uh, music discovery. Mm -hmm. So how can we increase our partnership with music streaming companies to help uh, fans discover more more music? Mm -hmm. uh, we we announced um, we've been announcing direct integration of music streaming within the app. So you don't need to leave bands in town to listen well. to music which essentially makes our recommendation feels like playlist. Right. Yeah, so yeah, you can yeah. listen to the, the shows that are coming up to your town. Um, that's, that's actually pretty cool because I, I, I try to do that right now anyway. When I check to see who's coming into town, I like make a playlist of the artists and then listen to all of them and wow. then see which ones I want to go to. <laughs> <Okay>. so. <laughs> so that's that. So you can do that out of the, the app today. Right, right. Uh, and maybe you will be able to do that um from the music streaming companies uh, at some point. Right. But from the app, there are lots of people, lots of fans do what you just described. Right. And we did that again, listening to our consumers. I was doing exactly what you say. Mm -hmm. I was looking at, oh, Ben's in town recommendation. Right. Go see this DJ. Oh, I've never heard about that DJ. So let's go to Spotify or Apple Music or whatever that I'm using and try to find who's that guy right. is. Right, right now, you don't, so you don't need to do that anymore. You just push play in Ben's in town. You listen to the music. And then you are a ZP hopefully. So that's yeah. that's wow. the that's one of the one of the flow. Um, I'd like to add more videos. So lots of to, getting back to streaming, mm -hmm. um, video streaming. I think um, we we I'd like to add more support in adding tuning opportunities. Right. Mm -hmm. How do we help venues or artists stream mm -hmm. and and not only alert on. Uh, existing uh, existing shows, right? So these are the and we we have to be we're working on an, a revamped um, festival approach. Um, just because right now the platform is very much artist centric, mm -hmm. so when a festival make announces tour dates, um, we add these tour dates to the artist page, but there's no festival page per se. We have right. a venue page, we don't have a festival page, mm -hmm. so that's kind of the basics um, but we are working on that too mm -hmm. yeah um, I, I usually just put in the name of the festival in the venue right now correct yeah and that's fine that's, again everything was thought um, so much to uh, like respect and, and support the artist that uh, sometimes you know it works well sometimes it doesn't example is we are very bad at um, promoting uh, musicals because <laughs> musicals they are not you know, there's no artist name most of the time. Right. At the, so there's no headliner or something. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> um, we're very good. I mean, it'd be funny, but we have a strong following in classic, classical music because, really? yeah, because if you want to follow and track Chopin or Beethoven on yeah. Benz Town, you can do that. It's awesome. Wow. And, you know, when people announce a, a, a show, they usually mention the name of the composer. Mm -hmm. Right. So it works for Benz Town. It's awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> wow, so, awesome. Yeah. Cool. Last, last, last thing. Um, <laughs> favorite memories. Doesn't have to be favorite artists, but of live experiences. Like, 
I think it's such a beautiful thing. So I'm very curious to hear both you guys, you two, Jordan, but just one of the, like some of your favorite moments at a show. Like what was the concert? What was one of these moments? You want, I could start. Yeah, I mean, you, you sound like, like crowd you sound surfing like, you at Ray like, Remmer. You crowd surfed <laughs> at Ray Remmer? And I got the wow. high five Slim Jimmy. This is, uh, While you were crowd surfing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, I got carried up to the front, tried to connect and make a high five, didn't connect, tried again, did. Okay. I, I was ecstatic. Yeah, so, yeah. And then DC 10 in Ibiza. Oh, yeah. Have you been to Circle Loco? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's an that experience. Was, yeah. <laughs> and that's yeah. an experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, uh, I think, super cool, like, un- like real lens at what this like underground house world is to a certain extent. I like the very beginning of a festival in New York that um, was on Randall's Island called mm-hmm. Electric Zoo. Yeah. And it was fairly commercial, very much the kind of music I'd precisely very EDM, but there was one tent, which uh, <laughs> was specific. They, they kept it uh, un, like uh, up and, I mean, underground, not up and coming, but underground. Mm-hmm. Um, there was this show from a guy called Henrik Schwartz, yeah, a, yeah. a German DJ that I remember was, because the tent, so it was at the top of the hill and it was the sunset. Mm-hmm. And so it was very New York. Yeah, <laughs> uh, very New York, very German, deep house, whatever. Yeah, yeah, and and that moment was just magical, right? You know, just you ask me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that sounds beautiful. That was one for sure. It's great. Um, mine was a surprise. I actually got a, a floor seat ticket to the Childish Gambino show at Madison Square Garden, and um, I got it through my boss, who's actually fairly close with the team, and. I showed up not knowing that it was a floor seat until I got there. Mm-hmm. So I showed up totally expecting to be in like the highest possible ticket. And they kept telling me to go down, go down, go down. And I got to the floor thinking I was in the back. I'm in the back. They tell me to go forward, tell me to go forward again, tell me to go forward again. And I was in the second row. Um, so when Gambino popped up out the floor, there was one moment where he was dancing. And um, I was also dancing. Cause when you're that close, you're pretty much dancing with the artist. And, um, I did like this movement towards him and he mimicked it back to me on stage. <laughs> and I like almost passed out. I was, I was, like, I was like, no, oh my God, anybody just see that? <laughs> it's like that I, I would say that was like the craziest one in my recent memory because he's, he's one of my favorite artists also. So that whole experience, it was now like- Now stealing your dance moves. Yeah, exactly. It was great, man. He pointed, he pointed to me first. Like I saw that. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it just like that. And then he did it back to me. And that's I, crazy. that tells a lot about you, and that tells a lot about him. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's uh, yeah. Well, Fabrice, thank you so much for coming on today. Super thank excited you. what you're doing, man. Thank you, thank you, and good luck for the podcast. Thank you, appreciate, appreciate it. it. Damn, well, that was an incredible episode. Really loved uh, getting to learn. I think Fabrice, super smart guy, has been able to build Town to a very impactful company. Loved hearing about the balance between how he's able to really support this very altruistic side of preserving the, the sacredness of the live experience and trying to do so in a way that they can really help support and break emerging artists with the, the need of actually creating a viable, successful business. My favorite thing, though, I think, was when he was speaking about the challenge of timing trends. I think, obviously, they were very, uh, they were first movers when it came to being mobile and said that there were some other competitors in the space that were doing content, uh, concert discovery in a more kind of web atmosphere rather than a mobile app. So they kind of took that early bet, and I think it's paid off a lot. I think it's always interesting to think about timing trends and what's up next. 
from my perspective as a marketer, very excited about SMS marketing and how kind of the response rates that you can get in doing SMS marketing campaigns relative to other sorts of campaigns. Instagram, you're not necessarily going to reach all your followers. You can't necessarily get geo-targeted email, um, even though you can largely get a lot more targeted. Once again, I mean, are you getting caught in people's spam? Are they actually opening your emails? I think SMS is in this interesting place where as an early mover, you can really get a lot of awesome results. So I think uh, it was one of my big takeaways. What about you, Jordan? Um, I really, and I I will always like this to the death of me, when people compare the music industry and specifically an artist business to the entrepreneurial pursuit. Mm -hmm. Um, I think artists and people outside of the industry don't take an artist's uh, music business, their personal music business, seriously enough. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought it was really great that he used a parallel between um, his entrepreneurial pursuit and the pursuit of being an artist in the music industry, even using terminology across both and doing that on purpose so people can see, you know, obviously... You know, there's a couple ways to think about it. You could think, oh, it's a business. You know, I'm a sellout. Um, or you can think about it as a business. You know, this is a business and this is an opportunity. And obviously part of your business is to be authentic. And I think a lot of people lose that, um, you know, when they're an artist about listening to businessmen in particular. But there's a lot to learn from the businessmen and, and vice versa from the artist. There's a lot to learn from the businessmen and from the businessmen. There's a lot to learn from the artist. So I was really I was really happy that he made that parallel. As always, thank you guys so much for your support. Uh, If you have any questions, reach out to us. And if you appreciate it and enjoy the podcast, reviews really do go a long way. mean a lot to us. Thank you, guys. See you next week.